Some More Good News Season 2 is all about people doing good through following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I'm Kate Cherichello, and welcome to today's episode. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. So this is Lily Kirchner. She is coming to me from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Uh, wife to the wonderful Brian, mom to Jim and Will, an advocate, an author, and now a nonprofit founder. And I want Lily for you to tell me about who you are and what you do in your own words. Yes. Yeah, so um, I am just a mom of two really um, active boys who are on the autism spectrum. Um, Jim is more high level and Will is more on the severe side of, of autism. Um, but I guess throughout the journey, since both of them have been diagnosed, I've noticed gaps in, in our healthcare and, um, mainly just the way, you know, services are able to be presented um, to individuals. Um, so I wanted to be able to fill those gaps. So I decided to uh, start a nonprofit organization um, to fill in those gaps and um, to hopefully um, get more people on the spectrum, the services that they need. So wonderful, wonderful. And you answered some of this, but I'd love to hear more about how, because you, you used to work in a career that was not related to autism, right? At all or nonprofits, right? How right. did you make that jump from going from there to, you know, kind of like a, it was a nine to five structure, right? To yep. saying, I am going to follow this passion. I'm going to help my sons and others. How did you make that leap? Um, well, actually, um, when I was in my nine to five, I mean, I loved my I loved my administrative role, um, but when I had the when I had James, I just decided to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, so honestly, like I haven't, you know, worked outside the home for almost six, almost five years now, I should say. Um, but when um, I think, I guess I've always been interested in this type of this type of work, I guess. Um, my mom and my dad have always been involved with people with disabilities. So I've been around, you know, people with um, mental illness or um, uh, intellectual disabilities, um, Alzheimer's, any, you know, really anything um, all my life. So I think it's, it was easy for me to make the transition just because I've been around that a lot. Um, and I did, I mean, Part of my schooling was in psychology too. Um, I just couldn't decide what I wanted to major in because I went back and forth from music to um, to psychology to criminal justice. So I had a little bit of background in that sort of thing. Um, but as far as running a business, I had no, like I had no um, prior knowledge to how to do that. And I still, I really still don't. So it's, it's just, uh, it's a go fly by my seat of my pants, you know, learn while I'm doing it kind of thing. So um, hopefully, hopefully it's working out. So 
Wow. I never knew that. I did not know that you did not have a business background in that regard about that. And wow. Yes. Learning on the go for sure. <laughs> so you said that you have been working at home for multiple years now. So the next question, it sounds like you have been used to the home idea, but how has your world changed since COVID started? Um, you can do that in detail or just in general. Uh, and what do you feel is going to stay the same or what do you think is temporary kind of talking on that? And again, I know that you work from home now, but is that something that will continue? Yeah, um, it had, I think it changed a little bit. There was a little shift. I mean, obviously um, my kids weren't in school yet um, prior to honestly last month. Um, so, I mean, we didn't really have to go through that type of shift of them being in school and then not being in school, um, where we just kind of started them out virtually, um, and then started putting them in person, um, last month, but they're only 4k and 3k. So it's really not, you know, that wasn't really a huge shift. Um, but I think the biggest thing for us when COVID started was, the inability for our kids to have the services in person for a while. Um, I mean, we really stopped services for all services for at least the first month. And then um, we weren't able to get in to in-service, uh, in-person, excuse me, uh, to like their occupational therapy and their speech therapy, which are uh, very, very, very important therapies for them. Um, so I guess, you know, we just, it was, it was really kind of difficult to be, you know, their therapist and their mother and everything all at once. And it was just not something that I really could do um, effectively. Um, but we were grateful to have their ABA at least. And there's, they still came in to the home after the first month. Um, they were able to come back into the home and do some therapy. And so thankfully we were able to have that, but then we just kind of, it was nice in the summer. We didn't, you know, have anywhere to go because we didn't obviously couldn't go anywhere. So we did a lot of hiking and the boys were able to see a lot of different um, sites around our area and stuff last year. So, um, I mean, I think those, types of things kind of COVID kind of made better because we hadn't really explored our area as much um, since we had lived here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely, definitely a shift with their, with their services. And I think that's pretty common with a lot of special needs um, individuals and their parents, especially ones that are in school and that are not that don't have services outside of school either. So they're not getting anything, but. Sure, going with that, that um, talking about Light for Autism Court, do you, do you want to promote services through the organization? Is it focused on some on different aspect of autism? Tell me more about that. Yeah, so um, Light for Autism would be supporting any um, age on the spectrum. Um, so I mean, like from two years old to you know, however old that, you know, an individual is if they need services. So we would be funding um, services for them. So they would be getting the services outside of the organization. 
um, let's say they needed occupational therapy, but they did not qualify under insurance or waiver or educational um, guidelines, um, we would be able to then grant those funds to them so they could have that service. Um, because not every person is able to have services under, let's say there's a child who's six years old that needs services, but is not um, does not qualify under those educational guidelines because they're different than a medical diagnosis. You also have to have an educational diagnosis. Um, so that's where one of the, the big gaps are for me. Um, if your child has a higher level of autism, it's less likely that they would be able to qualify educationally. Um, and like I said, a lot of times kids that age would not have outside services. They rely on those school services. Um, so we would be, yeah, like I say, we would be funding those, those services through the organization. Gotcha. This whole thing is a focus on right good news and how people are doing good for themselves, following their passions and good for others along the way. So the obvious is uh, you are creating a nonprofit, you are helping your sons and others, and that's amazing. So another question, uh, just, just two more questions for you. One is, do you have stories or specific moments that have stood out to you through your time working with autism advocacy that you can share where you have seen goodness happening, where you have seen a child really take a step, either your own or another one or something of that regard? Yeah, um, I haven't been doing the advocating for too too long, um, but I can say uh, our youngest, Will, like I said earlier, he's on the more severe side of autism. Um, when we first got him diagnosed, he was almost two. Um, he was like, I mean, just, I mean, he literally almost, almost turned two. So he was, I think like a year and 10 months or so. Um, but he was actually cognitively at a six month old. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he was literally like an infant in a two-year-old body. So, um, at that point, you know, thinking about where he would be, you know, almost two years later, I did not think that he would have so much progress. So um, early intervention is everything. Um, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to begin the foundation as well, just because a lot of kids don't get that early, early intervention and they're not as it's not as effective than when they're older. So um, Will today is cognitively almost at a at a four-year-old. I mean, he's very, I mean, he's just skyrocketed in condition wow. and everything. And he had not even said mama um, <sighs> when we first got him diagnosed, but he is literally saying like full sentences now. Um, and I mean, he has a long way to go too, but I mean, it is absolutely incredible how much progress he's made. So 
Um, wow. He's just a, he's a little warrior. So. Wow. And that says so much about you and Brian though, too, about being aware of that early intervention and really just attacking it and, and helping. So, wow. Amazing. Uh, they are, have an incredible, incredible medical team. And oh, um, we were just able to get them in, get him in right away. And um, everybody was just always on top of everything. So it, we were very, very blessed that way. Oh, incredible. So going with how you said, you know, early intervention is so key and you made that point. Is there anything else, last question, that you have found that an important element that you find that people don't realize or they forget when you are interacting with them about autism and about you know, disability education and, and what's needed out there? Yeah, um, I think autism, I mean, it's gaining a lot of awareness, um, mm. especially within the last, you know, five years or so. Um, but there's so much awareness still needed. I think as a majority, people still don't really understand how autism really works. I mean, we still don't really understand how autism works specifically because it is so individual to every single person. I mean, there's literally not one autism that is the same. Um, our kids are completely on opposite sides of the spectrum, like I've said. And I, a, a lot of their comorbidities are the same. A lot of their other co-diagnoses are the same. Um, but they affect them in completely different ways. Um, so, you know, and I think people who are older on, you know, like on the spectrum and who are older have, like I said, did not have those, did not have those early interventions because we didn't really know about it. Um, I mean, especially when I was a kid and a lot of kids that had autism when I was a child they didn't have those, you know, not probably nearly as much as the services as they do now. Um, so they, they didn't, um, they didn't also have any transitional help either. So mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of, a lot of gaps in the, you know, transitioning into adulthood as well. And we still do. Um, I know that there are some um, facilities now that are targeting the transitions, which are, which is awesome. I know Eau Claire actually is just building one, um, which is our neighboring town. If, if y'all don't know <laughs> where I'm talking about, um, Way up there, it's really cold up there. <laughs> yeah. It's very cold up here. It's yeah. It was 18 degrees today. And I was like, wow, there's a heat wave. And I remember when it got to two degrees, it felt like it was a nice day after some of the days. Yeah, <laughs> but I, yeah, I'll never get used to it. I don't care if I've lived here all my life. <laughs> That's incredible though. I didn't realize they were building um, those sorts of facilities now. That is huge from way back when. I know yes. growing up in the theater, seeing kids with autism, join the community theater and the incredible effect that had on them. That was amazing. But to um, know that they were few and far between who were getting that kind of interaction. So this is so wonderful to hear and about what you've done with Jim and Will and what you've done with the nonprofit that's forming. Amazing. I need to give you a shout out though. This is Lily's book. I am the lucky few. 
and it's on Amazon in paperback, hardback, and Kindle, right? Paperback and Kindle. Paperback and Kindle. Yes. Yep. And it is so sweet. And it was la last year, right? Yes. <laughs> Ever since COVID started, like, it was it yesterday or was it two years ago? I honestly, I know, I feel you. I could not believe, I, the only reason why I know that is because I had in memory on my Facebook the other day and I said it was a year ago. I was like, wow, really? It was about a year It's already been a year. Wow. Well, highly, highly suggest checking it out. And especially for people who aren't as familiar with people with autism, it's such a beautiful book. And thank you. Thank you for being here and spreading this goodness. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, is there anything else that you just wanted to say that you wanted to uh, to plug or, or follow or anything like that? Yeah, um, we are actually having a virtual 5K um, on April 2nd through the 3rd. Um, so because it's virtual, anybody obviously can register. So if we just go on to our website, uh, .com, um and click that event uh, section and it'll say virtual 5k and you can register right there. So nice. And I'll put that link in the notes attached to this too. <gasps> Wonderful. Um, All right. We'll be signing up for that and it'll be spring. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm like, Oh, let's pray for good weather because otherwise I'll be doing it in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Just run it in place. Oh, in place. Goodness. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Lily. Thank you, Kate. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Follow me, Kate Cherichello, at positively underscore Kate on Instagram for more. If you have good news that needs to be shared, please send me a message.